What's cracking, lovely people? Welcome back to the Big Feed Up HQ podcast, a podcast about nutrition, movement and outdoor experiences. If you're a new listener to the show, we're coming to the end of season two. So look back, I've got over 80 episodes going on, lovely people. So look at the titles, find things that resonate with you and get involved. Before we start the show, I want to let you know about a company that helped me, 33 Fuel. They produce natural and powerful sports nutrition products. We're talking chia seed energy gels, uh, bars made out of whole food ingredients, protein energy bars for your bimbles, protein powders, greens powders, um, really useful stuff, really good for the outdoors, uh, really useful for snacks and things too. And you can get 10% off your first order by using the code MAT10 and it's in my show notes, lovely people. Now, done. Okay, so today's show, I have a colleague on the show. <coughs> Sorry, my voice is a little bit rogue. Her name's Louise and she is a nutritional therapist and we're going to get into all things, oh well, fertility, uh, conception, uh, nutrition's role, pregnancy. So I know I'm going to learn a lot. Hopefully you learn a lot. Louise, welcome to the show. Thank you, Matt. Thanks for thanks for having me on be a part of this uh, podcast. I'm very excited to um, discuss a, a topic I'm very passionate about. No, cool. Well, obviously we work together, but I really wanted to get you on the show because, you know, this this area is of an interest to, to obviously so many people. And I think it'll be it'll be great for you to just shed some light on nutrition's role um, in this area. But before we do that, I'd be keen to just let the listeners know a little bit about how you got into becoming a nutritional therapist. And then um, is it right to say you specialize in this area or this is an area of interest for you? It, it, it is. It hasn't been hasn't always been the case. Um, I, I started off uh, actually studying psychology with the idea to become a psychologist. Um, so did an undergrad and postgraduate degree in, in psychology and then before I went on to doing my master's in psychology I decided actually my interest lay in more of a health um, sort of side of things and I realised how much nutrition can actually change the biochemistry of the body and the brain, uh, particularly the brain because I was interested in the mental health side of things. and. Um, realizing that maybe I could do more in the way of changing or helping a person in their life uh, by changing the biochemistry of the brain uh, rather than through counseling sessions. And then also sort of realizing that maybe I don't want to quite sit around for the rest of my life uh, listening to other people's problems in, in that regard and trying to be a bit more proactive in how in being able to help people. Um, so finding um, that nutrition could play a significant role in that um, and then sort of uh, my, my my area of expertise is more sort of mental health nutrition but then having had my first child in 2015 and subsequently my second child uh, in 2018 I uh, really took a, a real interest in, in nutrition as it relate, relates to fertility but also pregnancy and, and the nourishment of that side of things and realised that it plays a, such a significant role in the outcome both of the health of, of, of the child, but also um, in it having an effect on the woman's body as well. And um, I also, in my in my role as nutritional therapist, um, support what we call the Fit to Conceive program, uh, which supports couples um, nutritionally going through the IVF um, experience. 
And so that's um, what I'm working on at the moment. But I'm very keen to uh, focus more energy and effort on couples who um, maybe can't necessarily afford the IVF um, approach or only have one shot of IVF through the NHS and maybe need a bit more help nutritionally. We have found that um, most couples don't actually realise how valuable nutrition can be in the fertility process and sometimes have tried everything under the sun from acupuncture right through to IVF and then have, have either given up or are not sure. Uh, for example, one couple um, spent three years naturally trying to conceive without getting anywhere and then spent five years doing IVF cycles without without any success. So that was about eight years in total. Then decided pretty much as a last resort to look at the nutrition side of things and within nine months of changing the, the woman's diet, uh, she was able to fall pregnant naturally um, and and go on to have um, a bit healthy baby. So it just kind of shows you that maybe if you start with the nutrition, you don't have to go through the IVF and everything else. It's sort of a, a easier option than going through the, the trials and tribulations of IVF. And, and not many couple th- couples think of that as maybe step one. Mm. So... Um, yeah, I think I've got a bit on topic of where I... No, that's um, great. That's great. We can So we can yeah. dovetail back to nutrition to help support IVF, I think, definitely. Um, but then if we start, you know, people that listen to this show, they're, they're aware of nutrition. I've had guests on around uh, sports nutrition, around immune health, things like that, um, building a plate of food. I had uh, a lady called Jenny on and we talked a bit about uh, public health nutrition. So, you know, people are generally aware. So I think if, if we start with, um, you know, infertility and and just uh, getting your point of view there and then how you um, recommend food or a dietary pattern for uh, conception or trying to trying to support infertility or fertility if that's you know you probably have the better way of terming these things but we should probably start there okay um well in terms of the infertility side i mean one in four couples um now struggle to conceive um and so that's, that's 25 percent of the population who are trying to um, have a baby and are just not having any luck at all um, out of um, the, that 25%, um, a third of those um, are struggling to conceive men because either the woman has uh, polycystic ovary syndrome or endometriosis. Sometimes they have tubal uh, damage um, structurally. But also a third is um, uh, sort of male reproductive issues uh, relating to either sperm quality or sperm quantity. Um, and the the other the remaining third um, in terms of causes of infertility is uh, what what is medically termed as um, unexplained infertility, and that's the kind of that's the area that I actually get most excited about because that's where I see, see nutrition playing the most important role, mm. um, and normally that's where we have the most success is the unexplained cases where they can't understand. There's no structural damage to both the male and female. There's no hormonal issues. They just can't seem to conceive, and that usually, I usually find anyway, it's, it's a nutritional underlying issue that needs to be addressed. That's interesting. And then in terms of, well, should we, 
should we go on from that and talk about foods that you recommend to help uh, couples enhance their fertility or um, do you think you want to kind of then move into because I know there's part of it for saying you know if if couples then do fall pregnant and then there's miscarriages is that something uh, the three areas that you talked about there is is there more involved in that in terms of miscarriages or is it the unexplained is it the underlying issues with with uh, males and females and then nutrition plays a part there too um, it's sort of a mixed bag really um, uh, miscarriage can happen to uh, sort of anyone really even if you have two healthy individuals mm. um, we find that there's two the most vulnerable time of the pregnancy for miscarriage is the first trimester, so the first 12 weeks of pregnancy. And usually this comes down to one of two reasons. It's either uh, very low progesterone levels, which um, there could be a variety of different reasons for. Um, the other uh, most, co- most common reason for miscarriage in the first trimester is actually low zinc levels um, in the, f- the female particularly. And that's where nutrition can really come in come into play um, but once you pass the first trimester or first 12 weeks of pregnancy there's a less than five percent chance of miscarriage so if if we can nourish the the woman so that she has all the nutrients she needs for for growing this baby uh, past the 12 week mark then she's in a much safer area to continue on with the pregnancy unfortunately the, fir- the first trimester is the time when you as a woman experience the most uh, morning sickness or morning sickness symptoms and so eating food is not always the easiest um, option especially if you feel very ill if you feel nauseous um, if you find everything that you eat you throw up um, in my own personal experience foods that I previously enjoyed became horrible to smell or taste and things that I absolutely hated before pregnancy I loved to bits and couldn't get enough of so it, it mess, pregnancy messes with your taste buds and um, that can change your your uh, choices of foods and can change your nutritional status as a result. Um, so yeah, <laughs> in terms of food food choices to, to enhance fertility and support um, pregnancy, I find if I just put my finger on one food, I would highly recommend it as seafood, particularly oysters, uh, not everyone's cup of tea. But they um, are packed full of zinc. Very, very, you get um, almost 40 times the amount of zinc in one oyster that you do in, in most multivitamins. So um, they can be, I always suggest to any couples that I see, um, if you want to increase your zinc levels to have one oyster a week, uh, leading up to the, the time that you want to conceive. Mm. Um, because that really does boost and we know how important zinc is not just for the female but also for for male fertility and sperm um, um, production and the quality of that sperm so it's um, yeah seafood is is the best food group as it were I would say Mm. and if so people listening to this say they're trying to support their zinc levels and things through nutrition for the future and they're not keen on seafood are there any other alternatives as well because obviously um it like you said it comes down to preference accessibility that kind of side of things and then obviously once um someone is pregnant you said the taste profiles of foods change your cravings change sometimes you're ill you can't keep food down 
so it is about pre- kind of prepping beforehand isn't it so um you know what what other foods can the listeners think about that that um obviously don't have the same amount of zinc in as seafood but potentially could support things Yes, there definitely is um, other foods that contain zinc, but uh, oysters and micronutrients have the highest amounts. Um, and as I say, not everyone likes oysters. Um, I find pumpkin seeds also have good levels of zinc, but not nearly as much as the oysters. My first choice in recommended is definitely the oysters, but it's not it's not something you can really sort of pick up at your local grocery store very easily. Yeah. Um, I usually say if you can find a seafood restaurant that that stocks them fresh um on a weekly basis or or sometimes get them on monthly mm. um it's good to, to call up beforehand and um sort of make a date night out of it really um for couples because i find a lot of couples are quite stressed out on the focus of their their lack of fertility and it can really dampen down the romantic side of the relationship so i say sort of make a date night out of it go to um a seafood restaurant um have an oyster each and uh, maybe a glass of sparkling water just because alcohol is also not conducive to improving fertility so um we say say that and to make it make it more a fun experience the only thing with with oysters though is um they have to be fresh so they are quite they can be prone to sort of norovirus and that if they're not fresh so that can be really counterproductive and i say um to an, if you can have them once a week, sort of for three months leading up to conception, that's the best time. But then, um, as soon as you are aware that you are pregnant, to, to actually stop with the oysters because of that sort of threat of the norovirus and, and other um, things that could make you quite ill. Um, so maybe then focusing on the pumpkin seeds once you know that you're pregnant are uh, very helpful in terms of maintaining those high zinc levels um, as much as possible. It's also a good option for sort of vegetarians if if oysters really don't appeal to them mm. to go with, go with the um pumpkin seed side of things can you think of um any other foods that uh of high in zinc um, i know i know popcorn does to a certain extent but that's mm. not the best <laughs> no i think you've got two good options there and i think like you said if people do enjoy seafood they can they can definitely try that and then if not pumpkin seeds are things that people can add you know either into snacks or they can put into breakfast Mm. around porridge or they can put on top of salads or things like that and I think you know the good thing about this conversation is that you're just providing a bit more context and I think people have access to to looking things up and 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 you know finding lists of foods so they can but I think the good thing is getting your experience around look why are some of these minerals important um and in that in that kind of process of uh you know trying trying to conceive what should people think about and i think it's great that you've highlighted zinc um and and then zinc levels because um you know that's something that people might not have been aware of um because obviously if people are just generally eating to live and their normal weight and um you know they they they're trying to have a baby you know, what else is there to do there's so much nutrition noise out there so there's nothing wrong with just picking a few a few things like zinc rich foods and 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 then building uh building things on week from week and then like you said too making the process i don't know if use the right word is fun but but like you said keep keeping things uh romantic or trying to reduce stress and going out for dinner or sourcing um some local you know healthy food um that's that's a pretty decent practice i think to start with isn't it 
Mm, it, it definitely it does help them. Um, I mean, the couples I see, particularly on on the IVF side of things, they've been sort of through the ringer already, and sometimes, you know, they've um, tried to conceive, and, and basically their whole relationship is is reduced down to just having sex once a month around the time of ovulation, just because it becomes a chore rather than a, a healthy, intimate part of their relationship. Um, and the, the amount of stress that they feel when they reach that point actually. It's counterproductive because you're raising your cortisol levels, you're raising your stress hormones, and that interferes with your reproductive hormones as well. So it all becomes sort of like a an unhealthy cycle that makes things worse in a sense. So mm. it is important to keep that relaxed focus and just um, yeah. <laughs> and in terms of an overall dietary pattern, you've highlighted zinc in there. What are some of the other things that that couples should think about doing? Um, a good sort of starting point really is possibly the Mediterranean diet because it has quite a high intake of, of fish and seafood. Um, you also need that omega-3, which is very important. So things like salmon and tuna and mackerel can also be really helpful as part of a, an overall Mediterranean diet. Um, sort of nuts and seeds, particularly the chia seeds because they've got lots of omega-3. Um, your pumpkin seeds as well. Um, into salads and soups and things, um, mm. it could be great. Um, I, I often get asked actually because I recommend quite a lot of seafood and um, the omega three rich fish like the salmon, tuna, mackerel, and people ask me because they are concerned about the mercury content of fish and how that would impact a on their fertility but also on being pregnant. And and because um, everything you eat when you are pregnant does pass through the placenta onto the baby. And it's a, it's a very real concern for, for other couples. Uh, there was research published, um, I think it was about three or four years ago, um, showing that the benefits of the omega-3 in fish um, actually outweigh the, um, the cons of uh, the mercury that can be high in some fish. Um, I know that the, the NHS re- recommended guidelines for pregnant women is no more than two portions of oily fish per week. However, that doesn't take into account the research findings that showed that, that this omega-3 is actually a lot more important than um, the exposure to the mercury content. And you can actually choose fish choices that have you know less mercury and more omega-3. I would say that the salmon is probably the better choice, um, things like avoiding swordfish. And well, mackerel does have a little bit of, um, sorry, and tuna have uh, mercury, but... Um, uh, the omega three content is very important for that. So um, mm. I'll get that yeah. paper off you if, if if possible, or I'll um I'll yeah. find it, lovely people, and I'll put it in the show notes because mm. you know that's definitely worth um having a bit of a read if you're interested because um yeah I definitely get asked that question as well when we're talking about Mediterranean diet, unsaturated fat, oily fish, um people are more aware of that kind of side of things, and you know there's nothing wrong with reading into it, and I think. What you've highlighted here is, um, you know, stepping back, looking at looking at your situation, thinking about the kind of foods and things that are going in um, and keeping things nice and simple and then being aware of omega-3 rich fats in foods and zinc in foods. Um, and, yeah, I think that's a really good start. If we flip it on its head a little bit, um, mm-hmm. 
because it's it's important to talk about what to do because obviously that gives people loads of options but are there anything that you would say uh, a couple should avoid doing because obviously there's there's a huge part of uh, uh, the nutrition and the health industry around supplementation quick fixes um, you know I see on the tube and things at the moment coming into work you've got all these uh, multivitamins iron uh, all these IBS medications and all this kind of stuff being advertised so people are around supplements all the time are there anything that you, that you would say you know be aware of to to, to avoid yes um, there are there are quite a few things um, supplement white which can be confusing because um, we are told to sort of have supplements to build up the nourishment of the body before pregnancy um, the a lot of the uh, pregnancy sort of uh, multis, as they were, that are that are marketed to to women of of conceiving age, um, a lot of the mainstream ones that you find on the high street don't actually have the best quality um, types of the of the nutrients within their supplements, just mainly to keep the price down. Um, but those are, I mean, if, if nothing else, if if it's that or nothing, I'd rather go for that. Um, in terms of the supplements that, that maybe you should avoid trying. Um, usually probiotics are a fantastic, um, um, healthy and good thing towards uh, pregnancy as well. There's one strain of probiotic that I don't recommend and I, I um, if someone is taking that, I do tell them to stop if they're planning on pregnancy, which is the Saccharomyces boulardii um, yeast-based uh, probiotic. Um, mainly because it raises or strengthens the immune system so much that it can um, raise the immunity of the, the pregnant woman and uh, cause a miscarriage by um, rejecting the, the growing fetus as a foreign um, or possibly threatening um, body, as it were, because it has uh, differential DNA. It has some of the, the male DNA in it. And in pregnancy, our immune system actually drops um, in, able, in order to sustain the pregnancy um, to, to full term. But the, the Saccharomyces boulardii does strengthen the immune system so much so that it can reject the fetus. Um, so that's the only probiotics I would, I would avoid taking. Um, but all other probiotics are fantastic, like the Lactobacillus, Bifidobacterium, uh, great as well. Um, uh, the strange kind of dichotomy also with uh, pregnancy or what are they helping support fertility infertility um, very often um, especially with uh, women who have uh, PCOS um, to sort of uh, regulate the hormones I often recommend things like um, black cohosh and agnus castus to help with the um, ovulation side of things however most herbal supplements are contraindicated once you are pregnant. So although herbal supplements are very helpful in getting pregnant, once you are pregnant, um, it's best to avoid taking taking them. Um, it's kind of a, yeah, sort of get you there, but then, then stop taking them. Um, a lot of the herbal supplements tend to also be adaptogens, and that's also not great for, for pregnancy. So also any adrenal supplements would not be good because it interferes on that very delicate hormonal balance during pregnancy.
Mm, I think it's important to note, you know, if you're listening to this and you're thinking about supplementation, herbal remedies and things like that, you know, working obviously with a GP, with nutritionists like Louise, it's it's taking professional advice really, isn't it? Because yeah. these things are so accessible now. And like you said, someone might have picked something up and it, and it might have been quite therapeutic for them at the time. But then when they fall pregnant or, um, you know, trying to become pregnant, like you said, immune system changes, stress levels are changing. So anytime you're putting something else in the system, it's really being aware, you know, the dose, the quality and um, any contraindications to anything else you're you're ingesting as well. So, um, yeah, it seems it seems like the kind of shiny uh you know really cool toys or, or kind of easy quick fixes aren't they but um yeah it's, it's all about kind of taking an informed decision with some of those things but you know then also working with someone like yourself um you know they they, they may be quite important tools as well as people start to you know really take more of a look at their diet thinking about prioritizing um cooking foods preparing things you know avoiding lots of alcohol um taking more time for you know lifestyle measures and things like that and then it may be worth having a conversation around supplementation or if they've also had um you know a series of checkups too and and they and they might find some deficiencies or they might not be eating um things like zinc rich foods or omega-3 rich foods so there can be a lot of things to do definitely but it doesn't always mean you know just because those tools are there we should use them doesn't it Yes, absolutely. And also with the um, with a lot of women who've decided that they want to now have a baby, whether they've got infertility issues or not, the majority of women are very uh, conscious of, of taking folic acid because it's, it's been well publicized and marketed by, by the NHS and NHS England um, uh, as a way of preventing spina bifida in, in babies. And yes, folic acid is very important for that, but I would I would almost argue that zinc is almost more important, more important for both falling pregnant and also maintaining that pregnancy without a miscarriage. So um, most women do take uh, a pregnancy or multivitamin before they try and conceive that has high folic acid levels, or they just buy the folic acid on its own. Um, I would say go for a multi as well, or preferably over just the folic acid by itself. Um, but also look at, at supporting your diet through the, the zinc side of things, but also um, maybe looking more at the zinc side rather than focusing solely on the, the, the folic acid side of things, which I think is a very one-track um, look at the whole process. Uh, mm. There's so many important aspects to the nutrition side from the omega-3 to the zinc. And also vitamin D is very, very important for um, hormonal balance. And as you know, living in, in the UK, we don't get enough uh, vitamin D through our sun exposure. So that's um, mm. a good one. Sometimes being worth, especially this time of year, measuring your vitamin D and understanding where you are. So just that notion of testing and not guessing, I think is really important, especially Absolutely. for... For, for that biomarker because um, like you said we, we can't really get it through food and most of the time in this country we're sitting inside during the summer and yes summer holidays great getting a little bit of um, you know face and shoulders in the sun too but um, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to absorb it we, we know that skin pigmentation um, varies between different different um, ethnicities and things like that and people and um yeah you know you may feel like you've been absolutely zapped but uh 
you know it doesn't necessarily mean that that your vitamin D is in a normal range so that's definitely something to be aware of and obviously that you know that helps also with with bone health doesn't it? it helps with immune health and we're finding out more about vitamin D's role in the gut too and I think um like you said there in terms of energy levels stress levels digestion having having all of those things working normally that's only going to help isn't it the process of trying to conceive absolutely and also not just um after conception um there's a lot of published research studies are showing that both vitamin d if the, if the woman um during pregnancy takes regular vitamin d uh, and has a good supply of omega-3 into the body it actually affects the child particularly the child's brain and there's studies showing when uh, you test a child at age five if the mother had good levels of omega-3 they're actually much more advanced in terms of their reading writing and arithmetic arithmetic and in many cases their iqs also higher than those um whose mums did not have the omega-3 and vitamin d during pregnancy or not as much um louise does that also work with say if if um people listening weren't um you know fish lovers what what's 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 the kind of recommendation around around fish oil capsules or liquid forms of fish oil and things when when um, someone is pregnant is that is that is that still um, a, a useful tool or is it more you know if you're not eating the fish then you wouldn't advise the fish oil or how how do you see that? Um, if if the, the woman's not keen on eating the fish or can't because it it makes them feel. Yes. Nauseous. Um, a fish oil. If that, if they are able to keep down the fish oil uh, capsule, um, it's definitely a good alternative. Um, and also has been shown to be very helpful, especially in the third trimester, the last three months of pregnancy. Um, omega three or good intake of omega three has been shown to um, reduce the risk of premature birth, um, reduce preeclampsia, which is high blood pressure in pregnancy. Um, and also help um, the woman reach sort of full term without um, sort of uh, complications in the birthing process. So it has a lot of of um, uh, benefits. And if a capsule is the only way to get the omega three into to the mother, it's it's definitely an alternative to look at. Mm. And if we circle back to nutrition to help support IVF, would you say what we what we talked about applies, or are there other tools that you know we'd like to talk about now that that you think are uh, are relevant um yes i would say definitely the same would apply in terms of the um the zinc levels and having the oysters um for the ivf process um with ivf you can't really take um sort of the uh, if it's for example someone a woman with uh, polycystic ovary syndrome who's going through the active process you can't have the herbal supplements that you would ideally want to use um so it's really just focusing more on the diet side of things and less on supplements mm. and i would say it's probably the only huge difference what i find makes the or has the greatest um success in that in terms of the ivf side of things is if both the, the male and female are uh, change their diet at least three to six months prior to the first cycle of, of IVF, um, changing it to, you know, enhancing the nutritional intake three to six months normally has the greatest success rate in my experience. Mm-hmm. And if people, again, they can obviously go and, and look into the Mediterranean diet and it's something I can 
uh, linked to but would you want to kind of give a, a bit of an elevator pitch to that for people that that might not necessarily know so obviously we've covered the oily fish and the nuts and seeds side of it what are some of the other things in there that, that you think uh, would be quite useful if if couples are thinking about adapting their eating and changing what's in the cupboards and some of the fresh foods that they want to be buying yeah things um like avocados um olive oil um so really just fresh, um, lots of sort of colourful vegetables, particularly for men, tomatoes um, are particularly helpful. Uh, there was even a study, I, can't, I haven't got the details, and I, I can't remember where I, where, where I read it, um, showing that uh, so men who even, if they don't like tomatoes, even having ketchup helps get some of those nutrients <laughs> into them, uh, which sometimes I've had to resort to um, if the male diet is particularly bad. and just um, full of fast food so um, yeah it's just looking at the colorful side of things um, so your, your uh, red yellow and orange uh, vegetables are fantastic mm. um, and the green leafy ones as well so um, that is important and a lot of couples who don't necessarily want to change their diet or, or very fussy eaters I say to them look it's only you know three to six months of changing the way you eat to get something that you really really want in your life that's going to change your life forever and then they're more willing to to um, do the sacrifice of you know cutting out the coffee, um, caffeine, alcohol, and eating more of seafood and fresh vegetables and, and that. So it's it's a, it's a temporary um, change for a very positive um, long term outcome. Mm. I think it'd be good. It would be a good place to actually touch on the liquid nutrition side of things. So what's the general consensus now for um, a, a pregnant lady around uh, caffeine consumption and it's probably best to maybe just talk about it in terms of cups of coffee because um, you know the whole milligram thing again people can find find levels in certain beverages but it does vary doesn't it so is it still you know a, a cup a day two cups a day or you'd say try to avoid and take in you know a herbal tea or a decaf tea or uh, something like that you know what what would you say well, uh, both with, with caffeine and with alcohol, um, depending on what uh, newspaper you read and what time in the year, you'll get a completely different perspective on what they consider is safe and what's not safe. So it is very confusing um, to for someone in the general public to sort of figure out what what is a safe level. I I generally um, err on the, on the side of safety and probably go a little bit more to the, to the extreme with that. And I say particularly to couples who experience infertility or struggling with their fertility, to actually cut out all caffeine and all alcohol um, for at least three months before they they want to conceive, which is very difficult for a lot for a lot of couples. Um, we do have a high caffeine and alcohol intake in this country, and it's not easy to give up one or, or both of those. Mm. Um, and a lot of studies showing that um, you know having one cup of coffee a day is safe in pregnancy, um, and sort of one or two glasses of wine a week is also okay. Um, I I sort of as I say are on the side of caution, and I say just you know it's only nine months that you really have to give up these things, and it, it's for the safety of your child. Um, it, you know if you can't give up alcohol for nine months, then maybe there's an issue there mm. um and with, with caffeine you can, i mean if you're used to having a cup of coffee in the morning it might not be a, a strong alternative but things like uh, red bush or rooibos tea you know having herbal or other fruit tea infusions can be 
little bit of a um, sort of alternative, maybe not quite the same effect, but it's 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 just a temporary change really in your in your life. Yeah, it's just about kind of um, think thinking about all of these tools, isn't it? Getting ahead and titrating things down if you need to so you know if you are someone that's drinking three four cups a day and you're starting to make a bit of a lifestyle change and like you said you're looking ahead for three or four months period you could start halving that you could try some alternatives herbal teas and things and then just bring it down and it's the same with alcohol if it's social drinking or if it's drinks after works with friends or if it's drinks at home together as a couple it's kind of thinking about that um and then yeah same same as the food side just looking at what you're doing for your main meals and looking at some of the foods that that you've spoken about today and and how you can incorporate those and if some of the things are in there that you think are really key that um, people don't eat is it worth taking a supplement is it worth measuring some of these levels before you go into it so um, I think we've teased out a lot and you know I think you could it sounds like you could talk a lot about this and there's obviously so much information in here so I think it'll be good to get you back on again um, and and you know take take another kind of dive into this because um, especially if I get uh, feedback after the show and people want to know a little bit more about um, certain areas then um, you know it'd be really cool to do that sure absolutely cool so what are you working on let let the people um, understand uh, what you're doing and and how they can keep in touch with you I'll put everything in the show notes and um, yeah we can go from there okay um, I, I'm really just focusing on the uh, fertility side of things I'm looking more to explore um, male um, infertility and uh, just because I find it interesting but also uh, quite an easy turnaround in terms of supporting uh, sperm, produ- sperm production in men if that is the, where the issue lies and um, so looking more at male reproductive um, health and fertility uh, it's often sort of forgotten or men aren't quite as included in the fertility process because they all think you know it's the woman carrying the baby but actually it's very important to look at the male side of things and I think we kind of forget that so um, that's the area I'm focusing on at this present moment um, in terms of um, following uh, my uh, my work on this on this or my that area I do have a blog um, called the yummy mummy mummy salt M-U-M-E-E. Um, and there are lots of articles that I write um, on that, uh, different from fertility to pregnancy to uh, child health um, on there. I've also done a few YouTube videos, which I need to give you the link for. Cool. Um, uh, so just looking at the more t- t- tutorial based um, rather than um, me dancing around. Um, on it but um, if you are interested in more the technical or the more uh, nitty gritty side of it um, the YouTube videos are probably a good way and also I've got a Twitter feed which I, I post um, uh, research updates in, in these areas which you might like to follow. Epic I'll mm. definitely I'll put all that in the show notes for you lovely people and um, yeah really looking forward to getting you back on the show I think at another time because um, I think this is an area it's definitely a new area to to the show but um, yeah it's obviously incredibly important and um, no it's, it sounds like you're doing really good things and it sounds like it's quite a rewarding work for you too because obviously you've been through um, you know obviously you know you have kids now but you've been through the process and you know the kind of ups and downs and um, researching some of the some of the things that can really benefit couples it, it's, it sounds like you're kind of really enjoying your work 
Mm, I absolutely am very passionate about it. Cool. Okay, lovely people. As always, oh. keep listening to the show. Thank you for listening all year. I'll put everything you need uh, from what Louise has spoken to you about in the show notes. And if you can uh, give her a bit of a follow, keep following me, subscribe, share the show with someone. That's all we need. So um, thanks again, Louise, for your time. Thank you, Matt. Thanks for having me. Cool. And guys, speak soon.